exactly clear There's a man with a gun over there Telling me I got to beware I think it's time we stop Hey, welcome back to a very, very special edition of the Janesville Jamble. I'm Steve. I'm Nick. And, and I'm Edmund. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we have another guest host in the, in not even our house today. The we are live from the Spaghetti House. And for those of you that don't know what the Spaghetti House is, you didn't listen to the last episode of the Janesville Jamble. That's right. My dad used to always, when he was alive, refer to the Italian house as the Spaghetti House. But everybody knew what he was talking about. Yeah. That's right. We are episode eight. We are Janesville Jamble Ocho. And we are coming live, talking live from the Italian house. So if you're hearing an echo or it doesn't sound like the great quality of the Jamble you usually have. <laughs> oh no, man, we are high tech. <laughs> well, that is why. That is why. So we are here and yeah, we are here with the man. The man that we've been talking about in the last episode. Um, Great guy, a great ambassador of Janesville, not originally from Janesville, mm-hmm. Edmund. Mm-hmm. And great chef. And great chef. Gotta get that out there. That's right. Well, thank you. Glad to be here. Excited to be here. Can't wait. You are, you're here. You're at your place. I am. That's <laughs> why we thought, what better place than here? <laughs> I know it. Here at the I House. That's right. At the I House, and we are in the banquet. And this is roughly, again, we talked a little bit about our history mm-hmm. of, of the yeah. Italian house last time. And for me, as a kid going to Craig, this is roughly the almost kind of the side of the old Hardy's building before they tore it down and built what is now the old Hardy's, which is now your place. That is correct. Actually, where we're sitting at is the parking lot. So we took out part of the parking lot, extended the building forward, and created seating capacity for about uh, 75 people. And so we created this fabulous little banquet room. And uh, great memories are made in here mm-hmm. from great uh, from the high school years of Craig students and, and Parker students in our community. Um, they would come in and do their wedding rehearsals, their baby showers, they'll do their birthday events. And on and on and on. So it was a great investment of, of doing this banquet room. Glad we did it. So it's a great investment, but, but you've been doing this for long, about 37 years now? Actually, I've been in the industry for over 35, 37 oh. years, but on my own, 33 years, come July 7th. 33 years in Janesville. Yeah, in Janesville. Thank you very much. So another 33 years after. I would hope so. It just doesn't seem like I've been around for 33 years. It goes quick, doesn't it? Yes. Except when I look at you guys and I see the gray hair, (laughs) I think, my God, I have been around long. (laughs) I just remember when Steve used to come in on his bicycle, grabbing a bag of chips and a can of pop. I look at him today. I just can't get a haircut. That's why it's not going to (laughs) happen. Well, we were talking on our, our last jab. I don't know if you heard it. Edmund, mm-hmm. we I did. Talked about all the memories. And I'm sure every day you hear that where somebody comes in. Oh, and maybe you always can point them out because they're looking at names on the wall trying to find maybe their name. Um, but obviously, memories I still have from, from this place. One, it was Italian House 2, which was uh, the martial arts studio, I think, now. Um, that's my first recollection, yes. as we mentioned earlier, was, was it there. And I, I can still, to this day, remember the specials. Um, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday from school, the school lunch specials, um, and 
we used to always have our pre-meal, our hockey meal was always mm-hmm. here before our, our game that night. Um, so thank you, obviously, for all the years of service that you've had here oh, and just for everything you. you do with the community. Thank That's you. fantastic. Well, you're right. Great memories. I used to remember when the cross-country team would come running through. What I would do with them is cut off little pieces of bread and throw them at each and every one of them. And they would just put it in their mouth and just keep running. So <laughs> like it was human like, birds, like human birds. Exactly. <laughs> so many Not great open. memories. Uh, yeah. Football team dinners. Oh, all the cross-country cross team dinners at home. Uh, many events with the, the school students. You know, a lot of great memories have really come about Italian House and the high school students. Uh, every time I run into them somewhere, someplace, I'll have someone come up to me and go, Man, I just want to thank you for those great years. We enjoyed your food, but most especially, we really appreciate those $2 specials. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> $2 specials. I said, I know. I said, because of that, I was in a building for 22 years. I couldn't afford anything well, better. And I remember I had my freshman year course. Obviously, when you got your driver's license, now yeah. I think it's closed campus, but right. you, know, you, could, you had a lot of other choices. Uh, but it didn't really stop me that much from. I mean, I would occasionally sneak out to sure. Happy Joe's at the time. It's Max Pizza Shop sure. now. Um, but this is always going to be the place because I would line up. I had fourth period gym, and you always had a sprint from the senior hallway way at the end of Craig because you want you didn't want to be last in line. Exactly. Get that booth because that line would go out the door. You'd be on the It was incredible. And, yeah. It was Every incredible. Day. Every single day, we fed over 200 kids for lunch. Every single day. So about 100 kids per lunch, right? And we had a 30-minute gap. So first lunch is at 11, second lunch is at 11.30, uh, or be done at 11.30, we'll have a gap. 12 o'clock was second lunch. And these kids would come running. And we had our stuff made for them, almost kind of like in advance, right? And they would come in and go, special, and we would just hand it to them. It was the most really gratifying scenery. And we had our music cranked up mm-hmm. so loud. And uh, I did it more for me <laughs> than the kids. <laughs> because, you know, I just enjoyed listening to my, back then, our music. And, uh, but the kids loved it. They came in. Adults would come in sometimes. And they would go, can you lower the music down? <laughs> Honestly. Yeah. And I said, I'm so sorry. But this is for the students. And I can't lower this music down. They'd get up and leave. But, I mean, it would be just blasting out the door. So, every time I hear uh-huh. the album Genesis, I think it's No Son of Mine, and the Elton John, the one song, yeah. always makes me think of Italian House. I know. Because that would have been 1992, 93, would my freshman year, and that was top 10, top 40, whatever, and that would be blaring on 97ZOK or whatever, 1041. Yeah. Yeah, and it was on all the time, and of course I ate here all the time, so it's Fun. just like, you know, it's just funny. The, one, the one song that always stood out for me, that we always enjoyed back then, I don't know if you guys remember this, but it was the, used to be uh, where that song would say, to the window, to the wall. Remember that? Well, I think it was Little John that would sing oh, that's that. That's right, yeah. I do to the window. That. Because when you ordered something other than the special, okay. we would call out the number from the window. Oh, okay. And mm-hmm. so we would go number 24, for example. And then the kid would come up to the counter, and the girls or whoever was sent up would go, 
need to go to the window. And then back then, they would, those kids would go, to the window, to the wall, you know, and they would be so singing that. Fridays was always your mascacholi. Yes. It was mascacholi, garlic bread, and a pot yep. for $2. So here's my question. Yes. First lunch was probably around like 11, 11.30. To feed that many people, what time would you have to be here to get things going to Actually, feed that many people? That just seems like... Yeah, so I had, I had a lot of great help. So I worked with a program okay. in Janesville called the... Alcro or the alternative program. Sure. So I was approached by a group of teachers, social worker teachers here at, at Craig, and some of them have since passed on, but they were, they came up to me and they said, would you be interested in having kids come work to get some work experience? And uh, I said, oh my God, yes. It's, I said, how much do I have to pay them? She goes, nothing. We just want them to come over, get the experience, they can help you out your lunch. I'm thinking, what? Is this for real? No labor. <laughs> so I worked. That's why I could afford the $2 and $3 special. Sure. I didn't have to pay for labor. I totally forgot about the All Pro. Because I, I remember kids, at Marshall, yes. I went to the Old Pro. Yes, Marshall, yes. And that was one of the areas where they had I, totally, right. I haven't heard it. Gosh, so there'll be a kid. So they'll come <laughs> up around 10 in the morning. Sure. And uh, we'll cut up the bread. So they'll put the bread on the plates, put the butter next to the bread. Yeah. Another kid will put the fork and knife. Another kid will get the pasta, heated up the noodles, and then plate it on the plates. And then we would sauce them when the kids came running in. Okay. As soon as the kids ran in, we'd start saucing plates. And they would have one kid that would put the bread and the pasta on the those little yellow, brown, orange trays. Sure. Yeah. Another kid would hand them out. Okay. Another kid stood next to the register lady to hand out the pop. So when he came up to the counter and go, I'll take a special, the kid would say, what do you want to drink? Give me a Coke. He hands the Coke. The girl takes the two bucks. The other girl, or oh, the other kid would hand out the tray of food while those guys in the back were just saucing and putting breads on plates. It ran so beautifully in a very scientific manner. It can never be reduplicated ever again. Well, I was going to say that when you're deciding to hang it up with the restaurant business, you probably have a career in emergency management with all of that organization and planning you yeah, probably right. had to deal with. Right. But no. that is amazing. Yeah. So, I wonder if there's anything like that in there. That'd be, I think that'd be a great program to still have. Yeah, do uh, they still alternative? have program? Um, no, they, they dismantled all they those did, programs. Yeah. I would think that but there were so great skills, programs. There's so, so many skills that you could get. Yeah, so these programs enabled these kids. Some of these kids were uh, either from some uh, environment that needed some help, uh, financial, food-wise, sure. or could be emotionally, uh, kind of an emotional point. Uh, so there was always some stuff going on with the kids, but these kids would come over, and they would work together in great harmony. They would work together as a team. They, you can see their self-esteem would, would just go up almost, after about a week or two, their confidence level comes back, because they're feeling Kind of empowered with a work opportunity, work experience, and then they see their fellow students coming up and seeing them working with them, giving up food, and and some of these the kids will be nice enough to say thank you, and so these kids felt appreciated. So it was a great positive uh, experience for the Alpro students, and when they left us and moved on after graduating. They could take that experience and use it on their application to work at McDonald's and other places. Sure. And I'll tell you, I've seen many a great kids come out of this program. I know many of them 
One of them uh, drives a, a, a semi. He's on the on the on the road. Um, he even has his own business selling uh, like hosta plants out of from Evansville area. I think his name is Mike Kruger, and uh, and other kids who've gone to become mechanics. Yeah. And uh, so all that when they come up, they'll thank me. I mean, when they'll see me out and about, to go, you don't remember me, but. You know, I just want to say thank you. You gave me that opportunity, that experience. Just the other day, I was uh, over at Stokes next door, uh, a few months ago, actually. And a guy comes up and goes, uh, you don't remember me, but I just want to say thank you. Uh, you gave me my first job working for the program, and today I'm a contractor. Wow. He has his own business. Mm -hmm. So to see that transformation, just that little, you know, like a, a belief system, uh, uh, an opportunity, to learn basic work experience, it really is. A, it comes to a full circle. Okay. I mean, it's it's nice to probably see people like Steve and myself that come in and well, at least appreciate you, not so me even so much. But. Yeah. Well, and but that just has to be so much more uh, rewarding to you to see someone who was in that program that yes. was able to come back and they've they are successful in their life now. And who knows, something some else could have gone a different direction. You know. That didn't happen. Maybe yeah. not. Maybe so. Right. Uh, but that's just got to feel rewarding. Yeah, you yeah. know what? what you're talking about employees, and, and this is just my opinion on this: is that you know, you go to restaurants throughout town, whether it's a chain or a local mm -hmm. establishment. The, the reality is, is that in the restaurant industry, help turns over quite a bit. Mm -hmm. um, but again, I don't know if this is true or not. But just from the customer viewpoint, you have been fortunate in having some long-term employees, and yeah. I'll use. From a long time ago, uh, Jessica, uh, she yeah. suffered Brinkman. Brinkman back yes. then. So when I mean, she worked at your establishment for a long time, and when I was, you know, when I was back then, sure. I always thought she was your daughter. Oh, <laughs> That's why I thought Jessica she was yes. working a lot. But she worked there for a long time, yeah. and then you know, since then, you know, she's moved on to other things, sure. and she has a great family now, and she still lives in the area. Sure. But you have, you know another crop of, of great employees and a long-term employee and one in particular if you yeah. give me a hard time because yeah. you know i used to work at the the roller rink I remember when that. i was yeah. going to, to yeah. college and you know a few of those employees that you have I, and they're they're grown adults now and they have kids of their own they were kids when i was you know yeah. helping out but it's just great to see that you do have uh, granted, you know, turnover is turnover, but you do have some long-term employees with you. It's just really neat to see and kind of unique in this industry. Yes. The neatest, the neatest experiences I have with situations like this is I've, I've had kids whose parents worked for me 25 and 30 years ago working for me. Today, I have a young lady working for me whose grandmother worked for me. Wow. Her aunt worked for me, her uncle worked for me, her mother worked for me, and now this young lady works for me. And the one person that slipped through the crack was her grandfather. And I said, his name is Dean, lives right down the street here. And when Dean retired, I said, Dean, I need you on my team. He goes, no way in hell am I ever gonna come work for you. Because you've had all my family, my kids, my wife, but I'm not doing it. To this day, every time I drive by, I always go like this, you know? And he goes with a cross to me, like, stay away from me. Even for a day, come on, just but, put it on the wall. So, yeah. I want to take a detour, yeah. get off on the exit yeah. here. 
And I want to ask you, get away from Italian cuisine just for one question. Sure. And I want to ask you the trivia question for the day. It's 1985 in Janesville, okay? Where would you get the best French fries in Janesville? In Jerry's Hamburgers. Jerry's Hamburgers. Jerry's Hamburgers. Well, I heard that was a loaded question because I heard there's a history you have with Jerry's. Not really. Not too big of a history. Oh, okay. So what Come on, happened? there is a history. No, not really. In my mind, this is the biggest history of Yeah. Life. So here's what it was. About maybe, I would say, 25 years ago, I was, there was always talk of Craig High School closing campus. And I was petrified by that because without my school kids, this area was so dormant and I hadn't built a brand yet. And I was not knowing what my future is going to be like. So in the restaurant business, at least I knew then that I had to be where there's a high traffic area. So here was reading the paper one day and I saw a whole article about Jerry's hamburgers closing up. Mm -hmm. Oh my God, how sad. Why are they closing up, right? And so then I thought, I said, hmm, I wonder if I can maybe buy that building and move my restaurant down there. So I had called a realtor, a builder Kramer, and I said, Bill, he was a customer of mine. I said, what is going on with that property down there? He says, well, Edmund, the owner is getting old. He's in his 70s. And uh, there's a lease down there, he says. But who knows if they're going to make it or not. But the original owner can't do it anymore. This guy just stepped up and says, I'll take over. Because they had a whole big shindig about closing it. And it was all over yeah, the papers. I remember and that. People were going down there just ordering 50 burgers. They were lined up. <laughs> yes. I remember. I was 50 burgers to put it away in the freezer. Sure. And, you got to remember, those greasy fries oh, and those brown bags so back those days. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> and I just thought... Fat-free. Yeah, well, I just thought if they were going to leave and go move on, I could move in and yeah. put up my restaurant down there. So, went down. I said, Bill, can you someday meet me down there? I want to take a look at it. He goes, sure. So I went down to take a look at it and all that stuff. And he says to me, he goes, Edmund, here's the thing. There's a, a, a guy who's got the lease to the business, wants to continue running this show. And, uh, but, you know, uh, the guy who owns the building wants out. But this guy can't afford to buy the business and the building. So maybe you can buy the building and you can carry the lease with this guy. So I'm thinking, you know what, maybe this will happen. And uh, maybe in five years, ten years, if he doesn't make it, I might be then ready to move my stuff down there because I loved the Center Avenue traffic. It was so busy. And I said, all right. And I tell you, it was one of my first real estate adventure. And I was so proud of it because at that time they were uh, selling it for like 115 and the building needed work. I knew that sooner or later I was going to have to put some money in it. So I made them an offer for $85,000. I didn't think they were going to accept it, and they accepted it. So I went to a bank at Blackhawk. Yeah. So I went to Mike Mallow at Blackhawk and said, Hey, Mike, I want to buy this building, but I don't want to put any money down. I said, I want to use the money for improvements someday, so is there anything you guys can do for me? And you know Blackhawk. Well, let me take a look at it, and we'll, you know, you've been a member with us for a while, and we'll see what we can do for you.
So I, I give Mike the figure and I give him what the guy was paying in lease and that we had a 20-year lease tied up with the building, triple net, you know, that we're paying for taxes and insurance, all that. And so I give him the, what the payments that he's making already. And so Mike did the math and he comes back, he says to me, because, well, I've got good news and I've got bad news. Which one? I said, well, give me one or the other. Give me both of them. He says, well, it's going to cost you $50.67 for paperwork. And we can get that done for you. I said, what? You mean I can buy that building for no money down? Because well, $50.67. So I still have that documentation. I framed that at home. I laminated it. Uh, so I bought Jerry's hamburgers. I always tell people back then because I was so proud. I bought that building for 50 bucks, you know. <laughs> and then five years later uh, or so, Bob Tracy, that owns the Cone Zone up in Milton, mm -hmm. approached me because he had the, the city bought his building downtown. And he was looking for a place to put up a gas station, St. Clair, that's down there in the corner. Right, and all of a and, go. Yeah. And thought, you know what? That is an ideal location. So he approached me. Um, I said, well, you know what, guys? Here's the thing. Well, his attorney, realtor. I said, here's the thing. I can sell it, but I don't think it's going to happen because this guy has a 20-year lease. So you have to go negotiate with him. I didn't think it was going to happen because I wanted that building. And um, so they negotiated something. And... The uh, attorney calls up and says, hey, we got Bob on board if you want to be on board. So I said, all right. Well, he goes, well, now, what would you want for the building? I said, well, I'll take 135. I said, I'm not going to go any lower than that. I just threw a number out. It was accepted. Well, I made $64,000 <laughs> in less than five years on the building. My first real estate transaction. I was so proud of it. Like the wolf of I Street. had nothing. Yes. So, so can were, you imagine? The wolf, were you like yeah. the raccoon of Rockport? No, I was not. <laughs> I think that's no. on Rockport. But I it was, is, I was shocked. I mean, for 50 bucks, I inherited $64,000. That was my first taste of that. Well, then I decided to go do more stuff. I bought the buildings on Center Avenue. And again, in hopes that if they ever close campus, I can move the restaurant down there. So I bought... You know the, the car lot across the street from Romans, uh, from Holiday Gas Station? The, oh, they used to yeah, be that Slant Tracks video was Slant there, Slant video, yep. and then across the street, the you corner. got all that. Right. right. So I bought that. It was a car lot. Yeah. I knew nothing about cars. <laughs> I have no idea what I was <laughs> Something doing. Something like this is Monopoly to you. Like, no! Did it you was $200 ignorance is, for scenes? It, it says <laughs> ignorance <laughs> is bliss. That's the definition of ignorance yeah. right there. I didn't know what I was doing. Today, I would never do that today. And that's a full-time job for a lot of people. They just mm -hmm. don't buy it. So, so I, I bought those buildings. Not for me. And it was a car lot. And the mechanic salesperson that says, what are you going to do with it? I said, I, I don't know. But I, what I want to do is I want to I do it as a restaurant someday. He goes, well, why don't you keep it as a car lot? And I'll be a mechanic and I can sell the cars for you. I said, Really? I said, I don't know anything about cars. He goes, well, there's not a whole lot to know. I'll, I'll, I'll walk you through it. I said, all right. So I bought the buildings. It, we called it Quality Motors. I had it for 10 years. Wow. And I had a phone line at my restaurant next door. So when that phone line in the bag rang, 
I would run back and go, Quality Motors can help you. <laughs> <laughs> and, this, and this guy would say to me, um, I'm down here looking at your car. Can I take it out for a test drive? Yeah, give me about 10 minutes. I'll be right there. <laughs> but you're just in the others. Oh, no, you're not here. Okay. <laughs> I'll jump in my van, run down, grab the key, and he's going... They're just so confused. But nowadays, that would be normal because it's almost like everything's... It's crazy. Crazy. So I did it for 10 years. It was successful. That was in the 90s. In the 90s, correct. And my wife gave me the ultimatum. She goes, hey, hey, either the car business or the restaurant, but you're not going to do both. Because I was constantly out there hunting for cars, going to auctions, traveling, picking them up. Bring them down. That's have a mechanic safety them, and it became fun for me, yeah. but it was not a good thing for a family trying to raise a family. Happy wife, happy right. Wife. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I sold that twice on land contract, <laughs> made money on land because I would sell it back. <laughs> I'd get it back and then sell it again and get it back. Like Dallas and JR. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it was fun times. But yeah. it was uh, risky what I was doing. I had no knowledge. I think today... I was just going to say, today could you... No, I wouldn't even attempt to do it because the risk-reward is so unpredictable. I, I wasn't... Even with technology, do you think? I, I'll tell you, Nick... Everything's automated. No, Nick. I, I think ignorance is truly bliss in, in, in business adventures. Sure. Because if you actually know what you're going to be getting into when you start a business, mm-hmm. as time goes on, all the effects of... Growing a business, sustaining a business, transforming a business, adding more products to your business, and all the pain and agony it takes to brand your business and to keep it going. It's a nightmare out there. But I had no idea then what I was doing. So it's ignorance that really made me make some money. Uh, but if you actually did the math, I wouldn't have done it. When I hear how many hours you put in here, I don't know how you'd have the time to try to do all of that, like you said. Well, that's what my wife gave me the ultimatum. Cars, car <laughs> yeah, because I would go Tuesday night. I'd go to Jefferson, so I would leave the restaurant at four and run up to Jefferson. Then I would the next morning come into the restaurant, do my work, all that stuff. Then leave, go up to Evansville auction. That's right. Come back at ten thirty at night, eleven o'clock. Then Thursday, I would go in early, get my stuff, and run down to uh, Rockford. Mm-hmm. I'll go up to Portage. I'll go up to Milwaukee. So I was on the hunt because it's fun. It is exciting. I mean, if you enjoy stuff like that, uh, the, the hunt and pursuit of, uh, pursuit of cars, buying a car, say, at a couple thousand bucks and putting in a few hundred dollars into it and mark it up, say, for $39.99 and somebody offers you for 35 and you've got a net profit of 500 to 700 bucks and you're selling on the average about 10 cars a month, yeah. it's fun. It's profitable. And it's a great business to be in when you're in retirement. Because you can go in there and work from 9 to 5, close it, go. If you want a car, you'll come back the next day. You can leave Saturday, go out fishing, go out hunting, come back Monday. So that'd be my ideal job today, right? But, uh, so, and that, when I got that ultimatum, I just sold it and got out. Yeah, and those buildings are still there today, too. Well, yeah, they try, they try, yeah. You know, people don't realize in the car business, you need so much money to buy cars to put them on the lot. Then you need so much cash reserves to keep buying other cars so that you're able to turn them, right, while cars are being sold, 
you're buying cars. So cash flow can be a problem to a lot of the young dealerships, the used car market. So you have to be able to really fix the cars there, sure. change oil, do mufflers, mm -hmm. sell the cars. And with all that, you'll be successful. But you got to know the trade business, right? If you don't, then it doesn't work. Then ultimately, you will fail. Well, yeah. I would think that's almost like any business. Yeah. Right? Because it's not just one thing or another. It's just, like you said, it's a kaleidoscope of things that you have to be just... And just sitting here listening to you say that, it's just how eager and how driven you, you must be to... You have to have that, I think. I don't know anything about business. I just assume, but uh, you have to just constantly move and constantly be driven, and that's kind of brings me on to the next thing with COVID. Yeah, you've been able to still you know, change your business model a, a lot, right? In a sense, right? In a uh, sense, yes. Uh, so COVID came around in March mm -hmm. 23rd. Our governor said, "Hey, we're going to close," and I was like, "What? What am I going to do? Sitting at home?" I'm not the type to sit around. Mm -hmm. When I sit, I fall asleep, basically. Start going body. to car shows. Like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Woodman says to me, uh, Steve over there, the manager goes, Edmund, uh, I, well, I just told him, I said, did you hear? They're going to close everything up. He goes, well, us in the grocery business will be open, and you're considered essential. He goes, because you're providing us with bread. We need bread. I said, what do you mean? I said, I don't think so. I think we're closing up. So he reassured me that no. You can stay open. I said, all right. He goes, and with that, I need to order 2,000 loaves of garlic bread. Okay. Yeah. And so I thought, well, all right, thank you. I will. Because I thought, you know what? If we are completely shut out, we can at least keep my staff working so they can earn a paycheck. And I would imagine you had to deliver that in armored trucks to Woodman. So uh, how good your girl. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. My staff really Forget about hand sanitizer. Yeah. garlic bread coming in. Yeah. Just going in. It was, you know, we, we do our garlic breads all by hand. So we, we literally have to bake the bread, let it cool down, slice it down the middle, mix up all of our garlic butters, and by hand, with a spatula, butt up the bread, stack them up, then later on, take it, slide them into the bags, seal them, then print the labels, label them, then box them up, then put them in there. And then what happened was, we stayed busy with drive-throughs and carry-outs. Right. Oh, yeah. You, your line was, again, out to so the street. So it really turned my world upside down because I thought I was going to be dead, that I would have the time to do that. So now I was having, you know, my staff come in at 5 in the morning, extra staff and my wife, to come in, butter up the garlic press and get all that done. So that by 11, 30, 12 o'clock, we're done. Because now we've got to butt up our garlic breads. Mm. So we're going to equal amount per week with garlic breads for us and for Woodman's. And it was really overwhelming. Uh, it was a lot of work. And, uh, but it was, it, was, it was a good time to do that because people were like at first shocked. Nobody was going out right away, although you were busy with carryouts. But it was changing our perspective completely. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and then... We stayed busy throughout this thing, but I tell you, Nick and, and Steve, it is a nightmare out there if you own a little restaurant, especially with that 25% opening or 50%. So you can't have you know, a small restaurant with a table of 10 sure. and only allow two people to come in at a time to eat that will spend an hour and a half eating. Your night is over. 
you gotta pay your staff, cooks, busboy, dishwasher. So when 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 some restaurants just decided to reopen and try to do anything to sell their food, they were experiencing the hardship. Some closed up and go, I can't sell my $39 steak for 15 bucks because families don't want to go buy four steaks at 39 bucks. Right. So to stay open, you had to discount it. Well, now you've got containers, bags, forks, knives, plastic this, plastic that. And it became a nightmare for many mom and pop restaurant owners. And to this day, there's a lot of stats out there that will tell you three out of 10 will attempt to reopen and put everything in place and do all the right things. And the revenue is not there to justify it staying open. So you will see this within the next six months, how devastating mm -hmm. uh, it, it could become. Yeah, I know I've, I've been watching some of the restaurants that yeah. are kind of reshaping what they're thinking. And the one I'm thinking of is, is Lark downtown, Lark, yes. you know, Richard and Joan, Nino. Yes. And I know that they closed for a while and, you know, the one interesting, the, the the good thing about you and your your business is that you had such a strong carryout business yes. before this. Is that yeah. you know, for me personally and my family, yes. we didn't miss a beat. You know, we stopped in, we sure. knew what to expect. But when you go to a, you know, Lark didn't have that, sure. and it was really tough because when we go down there, we go down there for the experience exactly. too. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Close the end. Yes. You would you would go for the experience. Yeah. And it's your point. You know, you wouldn't. Unfortunately, you know, yeah. you're going for the experience and, and the atmosphere and, and the something food. unique, it was, it something was different. Yeah, it was something, and, yeah. And I understand why they did what they did. And you know, good news is, is they've come up with a, a different model next door with yeah, Lark yeah. Market. They just yeah. opened, but yeah, I mean them and, and Cozy Inn downtown. I mean, they just finally reopened for carryout. Yeah. And but you know, to your point, you said three out of ten. Just three out of ten. This is you know from stats from other states that opened right. up before us that are going through that experience. Because it's hard and people just, some people just don't want to come in. I mean, look at us. If you look out there, not a single table. Mm -hmm. I think we had one table tonight. Yeah, there's right? one. And we've been around, there right now. we've been around for 33 years. Usually we'll have at least 30 tables in on an average night. What it is, people are afraid to still go in to eat. Mixed messages, right? Yes. Yep. What's open, can yep. we go open safely? But drive-throughs are busy, carry-outs are busy, but uh, so we are blessed with Valley House. I think we're one of those sustainable mom and pop restaurants because we have the right products, the right location, the convenience of a drive-through, the history, and and the space. I can open up here and serve on a given night 25 tables because I have the space to do so. Sure. I can include my banquet room as well as my dining room. So, but out there. No matter what you do, the customer is still really scared. Sure. And uh, but you still have the diehard fans who still want to go out for a steak dinner that will go out and support. Mm -hmm. And but we need to encourage that because we don't want to lose those unique flavors, so unique true. concepts. When these guys pour their hearts and soul into a concept and financial resource, some have their homes on collateral. They're borrowing money to sustain themselves in the beginning to put up these restaurants. And when you think that they're not going to make it, you, you start thinking, this is, they're not just losing an idea, but they're losing their security, their family, uh, a place of comfort, a place where they've invested their money to try to pay things off. And now all that could be 
taken away from that. That's just so disheartening. But the potential is so strong and it's there. And I tell people, please be careful what you're doing and how much you're spending because it could come back to bite. Yeah, well, one of the neat things, at least in this area, I mean, social media has played a big part. Yeah. It, this is my opinion only, has played a big part in the local mm -hmm. uh, sustaining of yeah. local businesses. Like there's People somebody posting what's open, what you can get. Yeah. yeah. Um, and there, I mean, there are, because, well, because of COVID, there are some establishments, I've lived here my entire life, that yeah. I had no idea existed, but yeah. because of COVID, and the social media outlets that they provided, yeah. I knew about the places. Yeah. I never knew that this place existed, and I've checked them out. Yeah, you know, and hopefully, again, nothing against the chains. I mean, you know, they are what they are, and there's a place for those in the world. But you know, to support those yeah. local businesses, you know, it's time. And as they're starting to open up, whether it's on Racine Street or downtown yeah. or South Side or West Side, you know, you got to support them. So, as a business owner, yep. With all the negative with COVID, obviously we know, and we've just talked about that. Is there anything that's been positive that's come from that that maybe you didn't realize before that you've? Oh wow, we never would have even thought that. No, we could do not that. for or, us. I mean, not for us. Do you see anything? No, because we've always done carryout. So sure. for those who aren't coming in, we're just picking it up to go. So it worked. Um, you know, now our concern is, in, in my case here, is what do I do with all of this. What I do with another resurgence of COVID, mm. right? I'm still paying property tax on this building. Right. I'm paying, look how nice and comfortable it is. This won't be like that if the AC wants it on, right? Sure. So you've got the AC on, you've got the lights on, you've got the cleaning, the sanitizing of tables and all that stuff. So anything positive? No. Uh, I think the small American business owner is resilient, first of all. They'll find what I loved about this thing, not for my business, but when I was seeing the downtown restaurants packaging up a Manhattan to go, yes. an old fashioned <laughs> to go. I thought, oh my God, Clever. that is genius, you know, to, yes. to do something like that. And so there's some wineries that are doing packaged wines. Right there. That now that business for them is going to grow, hmm. right? Because that's an opportunity to do carry out wines and all that stuff. So there's some small little thing here and there. When you see bars that are catering a full meal to a family with four burgers and fries and four salads, I'm thinking, yes, yeah. you know, that's a great idea. I saw more Charlie burgers on yes. Facebook than oh I ever my God, yes. So I'm happy that they found ways, but are they being profitable? Can they sustain their families? I don't know. I mean, is, is the profit there? When you do carryouts, the profit isn't there. What they're hoping is when you come in at a bar is to grab a beer mm -hmm. and grab a burger and fries yeah, and together yeah. collectively yeah. have a couple. That's where the profit is at. Yeah. But to take four burgers home, to them, it's just a lot of work. And the profit margin isn't really in the food, but it's in the alcohol. Sure. So I like to use the analogy that you know, with COVID coming through, I like to use it that, you know, for a lot of the businesses that COVID would be like, you're on a boat out at sea mm -hmm. and hurricane COVID comes through, flips your boat over. Yeah. And a lot of businesses are thinking, well, obviously you're not, you're thinking, I need to get this boat flipped back over yeah. so I can hop back in it and yeah. keep paddling on to land. You're not going to flip that boat over by yourself. You're going to need help. Yes. What you can hope to do is cling to that boat, ride the storm out. Because it will go through, it will pass, sure. right? It will be better um, eventually. 
Yeah. Just however long this is, we just have to weather that storm right. and then hope for you know that rescue to come, which is hopefully the like you said the the customer to come back to spend that money to get that business going sure. again, and then that boat would get eventually built. Right. So there's many factors, right? First of all, do you have the strength and the energy from getting pounded by the the waves right. to flip that boat back? Right. And let's see, you did that. Well, is that boat still intact? Mm. Does it have holes? Is it how's the wood? How's the rotor rudders? How's all that stuff that goes with the boat, right? Then you get in, and then you're hoping that you can find your way out of this and land somewhere. In the business arena, you know, our profit margin is so small. It's incredibly small. It's about three to five percent. So think about how much money you got to make per day to make fifty bucks. Right. You know, so you've gotten prop- back in the boat, but now you have all this water you got to get out of the boat. Yes. We in the little bit mom and pop businesses, because we don't have the deep pockets, you know, we've endured kind of breaking even. Well, you might have had an AC go out on you in the meantime. You could have had a bad refrigerator go out on you. Well, now that's 3000 I need a, a new AC unit put up, and it's going to cost me $8,000. So sure. it's in transition to get uh, restored. So who's got... Cash like that sitting around, you know, yeah, it's the hidden stuff that you don't think about. Exactly, yeah, nobody talks about right. when your freezer goes out, right? Or when the stove goes out, it doesn't just work and God, for 30 years, 60 years. Yep, and God bless those landlords, they're saying to hey, Steve, Nick, we'll let you guys pay us when things get better. Well, now you owe three thousand, four thousand, five thousand rent, and now you open up. Now you need the cash flow to buy your inventory again because that meat, that fish that's been sitting there, that has been selling, it's all thrown out. You're gonna to try to reopen with the dine-in mm-hmm. concept. Right. So now you need new fresh products, new inventory, need sanitation. You know, you can only do two tables at a time, Nick. You can't do more than that. Why? Well, because you've got 10 tables. It's only 25%, so two, two and a half tables is it. You know, and then you're thinking, wow, how much am I gonna to make to be able to afford to pay for this and pay for my power line? Now you're behind two, three months. I didn't apply for that PPP stuff at that time because I knew we were doing okay. We lost our dining room banquet. We lost our all the weddings we were supposed to be doing, uh, all the banquet events in our banquet room. So we're just doing nothing but carry out. So we were sustaining ourselves. I was paying my staff, keeping those guys working, paying our power and light, paying our mortgage. So, but not enough to really sustain myself for the future. So. When you start thinking about the expense sheet, how, and in my case, I, I said, the other mom and pops who don't have those opportunities, who are sitting, applied for that, well now they have this loan to pay for. So I thought, if I'm doing okay, I don't wanna go stand in line in front of a mom and pop that really needs it. So I didn't apply for it, I didn't get that money, although I was contacted by my, uh, my credit union, Blackhawk, and they were there for me and saying, hey, Edmund, do you need any assistance? Do you need any help? What can we do for you? I said, I'm doing all right. I'm going to pass on it. Are you sure you want to pass on it? I said, yes. And I thought, I want to give the other mom and pop restaurants an opportunity for them to apply for it because they're going to need it more than I am. And then, then I find out all these big, right. the conglomerates, big, big conglomerates were dipping into that. And that really pissed me off yeah. so much because I thought the big boys should have had had enough money set aside for mm-hmm. a rainy day. Some liquidity, some cash, some 
stocks, some rainy day fund. Right. Sure. And don't sit there and take that away from the small mom and pop that restaurant. Really need it. Yes. And that's admirable that you're able to say, you know what, I could easily do that. Yeah. But not enough people would do that. Exactly. So we're sitting talking history kind of today. Yeah, you know, we're what year thirty you said thirty-two? Thirty-three. Thirty-three. Coming so. up July seventh. That's right. So Favorite memories as anniversary time. What what are some of your a handful of your favorite memories? Well, uh, in in any building, you know, the one on Milton Avenue, sure. the one next door, and, and the current one. Well, I'll tell you what the the memory on I'll go maybe step by step. Memory building on Milton Avenue was sleeping on the floor, driving an old station wagon. So when I moved up to Janesville, we couldn't afford rent. We had no money. I was the dumbest entrepreneur, the dumbest. <laughs> restaurant tour to ever exist. I'm like the joke. I mean, if you want to show a classroom the not to do and to do, I'm on the not to do list. I don't list. know if I agree with No, that. no, I will tell you that. Let's call a spade a spade. I had no idea what I was doing. So first of all, I was a medical lab tech. That's what I went to school for. I worked in a lab. You went in for blood work. That's what I did. Took blood, analyzed it, sent it to your doctor. And then I worked in restaurants, right? I hated the restaurant at the end of my schooling year because I thought, I want to get out and become a professional and put on this lab coat and feel special. Well, the special is that you're sitting down in front of a microscope and doing lab work. It wasn't fun. I enjoyed the movement, doing mm, yeah. six things, you know, doing that, doing this. I missed it. I did it for a year and I thought, oh my God, I don't know if I can do this for 30 years of sitting down. It's not me. So I thought, Hoping for a pandemic. Yes. Like that. So <laughs> well, you back then. That yeah. 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 Who knew? Yeah. So Milton Avenue was, so we decided to go open up my own. Came up to Janesville. Found a place. It's a whole different story with all that. I mean, all different stories. But so my wife and I slept on the floor. I mean, we had a station wagon. My oldest son, that's 37 years old today, would tell you. We slept on the floor. Uh, we had no money. We had bounce checks in our mailbox. My biggest fear was to go out to the mailbox and retrieve mail. Sure. I had bounce checks. I should have been in jail. Not because I didn't want to pay my bills. I was not making the money. I opened up in Janesville in 1987 with my menu, limited menu, of course. I had the garlic bread, spaghetti, ravioli, meatball sandwich. But people then in Janesville never really grew up with an Italian restaurant. The only Italian restaurant they had back then was Jim's Pizzeria, yeah, Lisa's yeah, pizza, Pizzeria. Pizza. Yeah. So here comes me. Yeah. Here comes me that says, "Come get a bucket of spaghetti and a garlic bread." A bucket of spaghetti was like two ninety-five. You fed four seventy-five percent. I'm seventy-five cents a person. And a garlic bread was like two seventy-five. For six seven bucks, you fed four people. So. People would walk in, I had four tables on Milton Avenue. In that dining room was our bedroom. This one we pulled up the sleeping bag out of our station wagon, put it on the floor and slept on the floor. Wow. Yeah, on Sundays we were closed. So people would try to come in, try to, thinking we're open. Sure. We could hear the doorknob. My wife and I would, would roll over underneath the table and hide until people left. We'll look up the window. Did they leave? Yep, okay. Then oh, we come back man. out. We sat in there. Talking about the beginning. So Milton Avenue's memory was poverty, 
stupidity, uh, no knowledge of marketing. I opened up, I didn't have money to market. I didn't have any cash flow to sustain myself. I just hoped that on our first day of opening up, we were gonna be swamped. Well, it didn't happen. People would walk in, like your parents and your grandparents, mm -hmm. and go, do you have any fish fry? Uh, no, ma'am, no fish fry, but I have manicotti, fresh manicotti. And these people look at me like, who? What's a who? Yeah. Yeah. What? Man of who? I think I saw him, what, 10 what? years ago in Vegas. No. What the heck is man of who? Yeah. I've got tortellinis. I've got cheese bread. Why would I want to, they would say, why would I want to pick up spaghetti when I can cook this thing at home? I just can cross over. And so uh, a year went by, and I heard that there's a place next door, Craig High School a white building for, for rent. And it was, as a matter of fact, it was the, the guy that sold, the rent, leased me the building, uh, said that. And so I said, all right, someone checked it out. I said, oh my God, it'd be perfect. And, uh, but again, no money, bounce checks. By the time we shut down Milton Avenue and came here, I was like minus $30,000 in the books. Oh. I had the IRS sending me letters of they're going to come in and federally lock my doors up. Uh, I remember going down to the Wisconsin Department of Revenue here trying to make my monthly sales tax because any cash that came in, we were just paying bills. And I didn't have to, we weren't making money. I said, we were averaging probably about 150 bucks a day in sales. It was devastating. It was traumatic. It was horrific. It was the, the reason you should never start a business without a plan, without a financial partner, without a CPA and an attorney with you. And some craziness. And a little yeah. bit of craziness yeah. always, right? So that was Milton Avenue craziness. But isn't that every success story? Or it's just that? No. A I, lot of times, I mean, Van Gogh only sold one painting while he yeah. was alive. I mean, thankfully you didn't cut your ear off. Well, in the I, process I'll tell you, I'll tell you what I tell you. <laughs> so uh, to sustain myself, I was working for about nine months 22 hours a day. So I would get up at 1.45 in the morning, be at the restaurant on Milton Avenue at 2 o'clock in the morning, get the sauce ready, get the bread ready, get the meatballs ready. My wife would come in at 7. I would go, by then, after about a year, we saved our one-month rent, and we moved into Village Green East Apartments. Yeah. And guess what? We slept on the floor there, yeah. too. We didn't have a bed. Yeah. I had bought a black and white TV for my brother-in-law for 15 bucks. I sent him $5 bill in an envelope every month for three months. That's how long it took me to pay that off. Anyways, our dining room table was an inverted laundry basket. Uh, we had lawn chairs to sit on, cheap lawn chairs that we bought off garage sales for like five bucks and 10 bucks. So then my wife would come in, take over. I would run and worked at the Riverview Clinic here for one year as a lab tech. And so I would work there from 7.30 in the morning till 4 o'clock in the afternoon. Mm -hmm. Run home, change, go back to the restaurant, work there till 9, shut it down, leave at 10, come home, take a shower, eat my dinner at 11, go to bed at 12, wake up again at 2 o'clock and start it all over again. And so I was taking money, paycheck from here to pay whatever I could. But we had... We were the, the poorest, we were the, 
And I was the most ignorant business owner back then because I didn't know what I was doing. I, I shouldn't have never gone into a business. But I, I was so, uh, I was like a kid in a candy store. I just really wanted to do it. I, I, I didn't care what the consequences was. And, and I had a, a wife and a kid that I was responsible for. I didn't factor any of that. I was just gung-ho opening up a business. And so those were the bad memories there. So when we shut that down, we moved over here. Uh, the great memory there were school kids would come in and support us throughout the school year. Mm -hmm. But come summertime, we plummeted. Right. What, if you had walked into that location in my first years that we moved in, it was a hole in the wall. What year did you move in there? 988, okay. I think. 87, end of 88, 89. My, I should have never been in the restaurant business, all right? We had no AC in the dining room. Here I am opening up a restaurant. I remember that. I do remember we that. had fluorescent light bulbs in there. We had pegboards. Yes. We had filthy, dirty carpet in there. Because it used to be a bike shop. Yeah, it was Remember Stella's it was bike. Bike, Stella's yeah. bike. And then it was oh. Chuck's, his little lunch counter. But We didn't take the carpet out. We left it all in there you because we couldn't afford it. I remember that now. Yes. Yeah. So we went in. We didn't have anything. So we're using styrofoam plates, plastic forks. We had no coffee, no wine, no beer, no dessert. So if you came in, um, you ordered a dinner, I'll bring a salad for you. I'll get a little styrofoam bowl. I'll bring you a can of Coke with a cup of styrofoam with ice in it that I would dig up out of an ice bag out of our freezer. It, it was just horrific. A good friend of mine and a mentor of mine, Larry Sykers from Sykers Furniture, mm -hmm. know Larry. brought me an AC, an air conditioner, and said, Edmund, you have to put this in. I'm bringing it to you. You get somebody just to install it. I remember, it was right in the front, up in yep. the top. So I remember small, that. Small Larry business. Sykers yeah. gave business. me that. Taking care of small business. Yeah. Yes. Larry has been a wonderful uh, advertiser for me in the back in the day, and I owe him a lot for my... Uh, yeah, Larry's a good guy. Uh, he is awesome. Mom and Dad know him. Yeah. My, my brother yeah. knew Max. Yeah. I, Max. I admire him and I respect him so much. So mm -hmm. then every year, as year, the kids would leave in the summer, I would plummet. And then I wait for them to come back and then it grows back up. And then we get caught up on our bills. And then it plummets. I had quit the, the, the clinic after that because what I did was I said to myself, I can't afford to pay all these kids to work. Hence, the all-pro program came in with free sure. labor. Sure. And then I told my wife, I said, you know what, I'm just going to go in by myself at five, do all the work, you know. Uh, either you can get a job or I'll work 80 hours a week and I'll pay myself like three bucks, three fifty an hour for the 80 hours just to pay, buy our, our grocery bill per week was 50 bucks. That's all we allowed ourselves to eat. And we ate macaroni, craft macaroni and cheese because we... Got tired of our restaurant food. <laughs> if you talk to my wife, she'll tell it. She'll she'll buy a whole chicken for two bucks, cut it up for dinner, you know, and, and cook it. Sure. Um, we lived measly. Our friends would come up to visit us. They'd feel so sorry for us to go pack the fridge with food for us. I wouldn't even have money to buy beer. They'll run out to go get beer for us to drink. How did you make money? It, 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 it was horrific. It was horrific. <laughs> and so those were the, the memories that I've had. And so every year. We got a little bit better. I remember telling my wife one day, if we can just someday save $2,000 for an emergency, 
or just something kids would close up and after about the fourth and fifth year you know we would change something maybe we'll change the, the ceiling fan up up on top we took the fluorescent light bulbs down and then I put up a couple of ceiling fans with lights mm -hmm. and I did it myself and you guys probably don't remember this but if yes I do remember that do? we're wobbling here it My was hands right above that I do remember that I don't know how to fix it I remember it People would sit in front on that table, a, look up, and move away. It was mesmerizing. It was so sad. No. Oh, so sad. <laughs> Let me ask you this. Yeah. So, how did the signing of the wall start? Was signing just of the wall. One person. Yep. Made? Yep. I mean, how did that? So I. Well, had, I don't know if you guys know Chris Campbell oh, and Jason Riggs. All right. I, I had pegged wrong. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And no, and Marcus Kunis. There we go. Yeah, Marcus Kunis. So. Marcus Kunis had moved down to South Carolina. He was like a manager down there at the banks down there, I think they're called Plantation Banks or something like that. And every time Mark comes home for the, for the holidays to visit his parents, he would come banging on the window before he left, goes, Edna, I gotta get bread, I gotta get this, and take with me. He takes it back home with him. So kind of anticipate him every year to come knock on the window. So one day I was doing some cards or something, I had a gold pen in my hand. And then Marcus Kuna says to me, he goes, so, uh, you know, he was looking at the walls. He goes, I have paid off at least half of this wall off here for you over the years. <laughs> so I was going to say, you know what, put your name up on one of those bricks. You own that brick. And so, yes. yep. And so Mark would go up, wrote his name up there. Then I think that same week, uh, Chris Campbell, Jason Ray would come in. There's friends together. And they would say, how come his name is up there? They saw the glittering thing. I said, hey, put your name up. And so they wrote the names okay. up. Did those names get transferred over here? Or were they yes. Lost? Okay. So, no, those names got transferred. They're in the vault here. somewhere here? That's no, right. they're out there. <laughs> but uh, they, Chris Campbell and Jason Riggs still claim that they were the original ones. And I said, I think it's Marcus Kunis, but there's the back and forth going on with that. Um, and so every year when kids would graduate, they would, um, I would allow the kids to come over and, and uh, sign the wall when they graduate. So not many of them remember, thankfully. So over the years, the ones that remember would come over and sign the name. And it's been fun. I know, uh, oh, it's been quite interesting talking to you tonight, Edmund. Oh, thank you. It's been, been a blast. So uh, It's been a pleasure for me. It's, uh, it's a lot of fun. So we are coming up on time here on this edition of the James Will Jamble. We may have to do part three sometimes. I think part three ought to be interviewing Karen. Yeah. Yeah, we get a glass of wine. <laughs> Resilience. All right. So with that, Edmund, again, thank you so much for uh, spending the time. Appreciate Thanks for everything you've done for James, though, obviously. Thank you. Um, so glad you're here 34 years, and hope you're here another 34 years. That's right. right. Thank you so much. With that, sir, shall we jamble out? Jamble on, Steve. Jamble on. Jamble on, Adam. Jamble on, guys. All right. <laughs>